time together with you and under the authority of your word. We are filled with a greater zeal and passion to serve you and to represent you and to speak of you and to live for you in this world around us this coming week. We pray for your rich blessing on Roy and Lane as they travel to Arizona and establish in a new home down there. We thank you for the service and the fellowship that they've given to us these past many years. And we now ask for your blessing on them as they go. Keep them safe. Allow them to find a good church that they can settle in and minister to and be ministered to by your good grace. We love them and we thank you for their presence among us. And now ask your blessings as they go. We also want to take this moment, Father, to open up our hearts to you in repentance, confessing again our sins and looking to you, the faithful God who always forgives and cleanses from all unrighteousness. We confess, Father, we have failed. This week has been perhaps a week of triumphs and victories in Christ as you lead us, but we also recognize we are still encumbered with our flesh and our failings. So we come to you knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive. We know that based on the blood of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, we stand before you righteous, bearing the robe of your son's goodness, and standing pure in your eyes. But we do so because our sins have been carried by your son. We thank you for that redemptive grace and love. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. And we thank you, Father, for our eternal home with you, that your son has purchased on our behalf. We will look forward to that day when we are in your presence. But in the meantime, Father, would you continue to minister your grace and your sanctifying influence in our lives. Bless now the time we have together in your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it has been our tradition for many years at Summit Park to do a special message for moms and dads for these two holidays, and I think it's appropriate that we do so because the family is God's institution, it is thoroughly instructed and ordained by Him, and it is through the family, especially through marriage, that the love of Christ for His church is magnified. So we take at least an annual event at focusing our attention from God's Word on the family, And in this sense, as we come before the word this morning, uh, for the most part, what I'm going to be sharing can be applied to both mothers and fathers. My intention for this year is not to focus so much on what is gender-specific to motherhood, but can be used as principles in a broader, broader sense to parenting in general. I will just be applying this to mothers this morning. The focus will be on the spiritual shepherding of children within the home and applying the principles of Scripture to our moms. I'd wanted to use this text several years ago, but I tend to go for the more traditional ones. But I have a couple of reasons for use First Thessalonians 2 this morning. One is that at the beginning of the year, we started a men's leadership class where this particular text was used to encourage men in the church in their spiritual leadership. And the principles here are very important for us. I'm not going to be using necessarily the same principles that our teacher lectured us on, but they will be interwoven into what I'm sharing this month and next month. Second, the text itself references moms and dads, letting us know that the spiritual shepherding in view here that God requires in his church are exemplified in the home. What Paul is saying of himself, he takes a snapshot from a faithful mom and a faithful dad in caring for their children. So the focus here is on spiritual shepherding. You notice the title is pastoral preaching 
or parenting, I'm sorry, pastoral parenting. It's taking that view of a pastor or a shepherd in the home, applying both to moms and dads as they care for their children. And third, very often when preaching a Mother's Day message, we can tend to focus on the mechanics of motherhood and parenting, like the role of a woman, the role of a man within the home. We can talk about discipline, the mechanics of being a good mom or a good dad, uh, being a studious homemaker, a keeper of the home, the recognition of leadership within the home. We can look at those kind of external mechanical things, and they are very important. And Proverbs 31 does a very good job of focusing on those external and mechanical duties in a faithful and a godly mother. They have their place. But even Proverbs 31 is not limited to those mechanical duties. As necessary as the mechanics are of mothering and fathering, it's essential that we give attention to the role of shepherding our children in the ways of Christ to care for the spiritual needs of those who are under our care. And from this perspective, we're going to give attention to how parents are called upon by the Lord to focus on the hearts of their children and not merely on their external conduct or not merely on the external practice of being a mom or being a father. One reason this passage carries significance to parents is because Paul examines godly leadership in the church by using a parent's appropriate care of children. That, that gives us a rather significant link between leadership in the church and leadership in the home. And this passage is not new to that idea, is it? You look at Ephesians chapter 5, the instruction on husbands and wives. It's a reflection how we practice that marriage. It's a reflection on Christ's love for the church. We also see a connection between the family, home, and the church, family of God. We see the connection between those two in 1 Timothy chapter 3, where a man is being considered for the office of an elder. Remember, Paul says that man has to have his own household managed well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. And then Paul goes on to make the connection between home and church when he adds, but if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the the children of God? So we see again the connection between home and church. In Titus chapter 1, Paul adds that a man must be the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation and rebellion. Again, how a man cares for his children is a reflection on how he will function in the body of Christ, the church of the living God. And it's in these kind of passages that it teaches us a close bond between the structure and condition of the church and the structure and the condition of the home. And this is equally obvious from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul makes it obvious because he names a godly mother and a godly father in caring for their children. And Paul is saying that along with his two companions, Timothy and Silvanus, they came into the Thessalonian territory, preached the gospel, ministered to those that came to faith in Christ, and he said, we did so as a loving mother. We did so as a loving father. He makes that connection for us. And therefore, good spiritual shepherding principles are here for us to take hold of. Paul is just using mothers and fathers as a rich example to teach the church. This is what spiritual shepherding should look like. And I think this is important for us as parents because the principles for moms and dads 
are being applied here to nurturing, giving guidance, and shepherding the spiritual needs of children. And I think this this discipline within parenting cannot be overstated. It is my view that Christian parents maybe can give too much attention to external matters of parenting while neglecting the internal and spiritual matters that are far more essential. And I think this is a significant trap for us to fall into as parents because all of us want others to see how well we're doing. We, we want others to see how well-behaved our children are, to see how many verses they memorize, to see how skilled they are at answering all the Bible questions that may come up in Sunday school. And when we gather together, do we not want our, our children to be seen as those that hear us when we talk as parents, and they obey right away? We can be very competitive in this area, and so we can put a lot of emphasis on a well-organized, well-structured, disciplined home. And it can be a temptation in parenting to want others to admire how skilled our children are in academics or athletics or talented musically or even talented biblically. And we can be tempted in this to have a rather competitive spirit. Will my child walk first before yours does? Will he memorize more scriptures? Will he do better at the Awan Awards ceremony? Bringing home the bigger trophies. We may cause us, this may cause us to put undue attention on the external things to the neglect of the internal spiritual things. We want others to see that our children listen when we tell them what to do because we demand it of them. But here's a good test. When those children get older as adults, do they still listen to us? Or have they walked away? It can be a temptation in parenting to focus too much on the external. Paul deals with this in verses 4 to 6. If you, if you looked into the text here, he writes that he didn't come to Thessalonica expecting to please men or seeking the glory from men. But what is his objective? The glory of God. The pleasure of God. And then he launches right into this description of spiritual leadership And he says, take a look at a good mom. Take a look at a godly father. They're not looking for the praises of men either. They're looking for the pleasure of the Lord. Now, just a word about who this kind of message is important for, designed for. And I want to say up front, this message today, though it's focusing on moms, this is a message for the church, not just moms. It can be increasingly difficult to speak on motherhood or fatherhood in this day and age because there's so much hurt, so much pain involved with these two ministries. We may have had lousy parents, or we may see ourselves as having failed in parenthood. We may not have kids at all. So this message I need to stress is not just for mothers or even for young parents. This is a church message because the entirety of the church should be in support of this kind of parenting. The spiritual emphasis of nurturing those who are under our care. And it doesn't matter if we've had good parents or not or even if I failed as a parent in the past or I have no children at all. I know how to support. I know how to encourage. I know how to pray for those that are in the business right now of parenting. Collectively as a church, we need to be on the same page. I'm going to begin this morning with the demeanor of a woman 
or what we would call a living disposition. And we begin in verse 7, and our study is going to come from verse 7, 8, and 9 this morning. 7, 8, and 9. In verse 7, Paul says, But we proved to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. What Paul does here in the beginning is to show that before the church, this is how we came to you. This was our disposition. It begins in his own heart, and he's expressing or exposing that heart to the Thessalonian believers. And he's really putting them to the test, saying, have we not been this way before you? You've seen this. You know this in us. And remember, in in almost affirming his own ministry to the church, He's not looking for their approval. He didn't come to please them. He's saying, this is what we did when we were among you for the glory of God. We did this to please the Lord. And with verse 1 to 6 as a backdrop, verse 7, Paul introduces church leaders to the leadership example of a mom over her children. And he doesn't hesitate to apply this picture to himself and his fellow ministers, Timothy and Silvanus. This is meant to be an example for men in the church to follow. Therefore, this is not merely a feminine disposition. It is just prominently displayed in a mother's care for her children. It's a woman's disposition that's on display. But it's being promoted for men to take hold of. I mean, ladies, for imagine, just, just think, men in the church are supposed to be following your feminine example here. And it is a feminine quality. But Paul is not ashamed to say, this is what my ministry looked like. It's what spiritually shepherding those under our cares should emulate. In this verse, the disposition of a mom is highlighted as one who is living before her family in a way that nourishes and cares for her children. And this disposition, this demeanor, this temperament is put before leaders so that they would emulate this care within the church. And a point that we need to observe here at the beginning in verses 7 all the way down through verse 12 is that Paul references the leadership responsibility of both moms and dads in the family. Both moms and dads in the family. Now we recognize that this church, that God in his word has placed men in a leadership role in the home and in the church. But we observe here from this passage What the rest of God's word endorses is that moms and dads both have been entrusted with authority to shepherd their children. There's a co-regency here with men and women, fathers and mothers alike, to be leading their children in the home. And we see this co-regency in other passages like Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8. Hear my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Both moms and dads have authority here over their children. Ephesians 6, verse 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, so that may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Colossians 3, 20. Children, obey, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Now, of course, a caution here for children, obedient to parents in all things means all things permitted by Christ. And therefore, if parents ask us to do something contrary to Christ in disobedience to God, 
children are not required to obey their parents in that sense. But the point here is that both moms and dads carry a God-given authority over their children, and because this is a shared responsibility, mothers and fathers are to work together under Christ, according to the word of Christ, in shepherding the hearts of their children. Submitting themselves first to the instruction of God's word, they labor together in raising their children. Now, I also recognize in our fallen and broken world, this is not always possible. There is brokenness sometimes in marriages. There is divorce. And sometimes moms are left to raising their children on their own. But in the context of God's design, it is important to see that authority has been given to both mothers and fathers, not just to the men. There's a co-regency here in spiritually nurturing or shepherding the hearts of your children. And in that sense, mothers as well as fathers assume a pastoral role, a shepherd's role in caring for the heart of their children. There are two points that I want us to consider here from Paul's words in verse 7. First, the proven gentleness that is visibly seen in a nursing mother. Paul begins this verse by writing that he he and his companions, Silvanus and Timothy, had proved themselves to be gentle among the believers there in Thessalonica. And this means that the believers in that church saw these spiritual leaders with a consistent pattern of gentleness. Now, gentleness communicates the idea of being mild, considerate, Kind, and Paul writes that you can see this quality characteristically in nursing mothers who are caring and and nurturing and feeding their children. It's a kind of disposition that is tender hearted and thoughtful. And because it is here commended as honorable trade in mothers that even church leaders are to imitate, then it is a disposition that is to be cultivated and practiced. It's something that the church should be encouraging their moms in doing. This kind of persistent pattern, this characteristic quality of gentleness. She, in other words, is habitually practicing gentleness in the home. It's not an occasional thing that rises from time to time. And this is to be seen in men as well as they shepherd the church. It's not just a habitual pattern even. It's not just something they're doing over and over again, but they're doing it over and over again. Proven means it's passing the test of biblical scrutiny. So they're, they're patterning themselves after the word of God. They're practicing something again and again that is clearly found in the word of God. It's proven. It's passed the test of biblical scrutiny. <clears throat> Peter also commends this same spirit in wives who are married to a difficult husband in 1 Peter chapter 3. Those ladies were exempt to exemplify on the outside what they were inwardly as those with a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is what? Precious in the sight of God. Again, it's the idea of pleasing God, not men. And men can come along and demand that our wives be gentle and soft-spoken and all sweet and pretty and all that stuff. But they don't give it to their husband for that reason. They do this quietness, this gentleness, because it's pleasing to the Lord. Gentleness is the opposite of being boisterous or bellicose, loud or controlling. This is not a spirit of dominating others or demanding one's own way. It's not leading children with a tight-fisted control that demands submission. 
But it is also not a weakness of character. It's not being timid. It's not being a pushover. It is most certainly not being a doormat. To be proven in gentleness is showing a habitual pattern of strength, self-control, and discipline. This is a testimony of a woman that has incredible spiritual strength because there's a proven pattern of gentleness that is conforming a person to the image of Christ's likeness. It's a biblical gentleness. It is hard to picture how that would have looked on a man like Paul, who's known for his assertive and confidence with God's word. What he lived out before the church was a presence more like that of a nursing mom. Is that not interesting to picture Paul like that? Oh, there's Paul, the nursing mom. That gentleness, that pattern. But he's not afraid to say to the Thessalonians, you know this to be true about me. I've lived like that. I wonder what you people would think of me. Is that Monty, the the nursing mom? (laughs) Uh, Sometimes, okay. At least I get that much. You look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul writes that some in the church found his letters to be weighty and strong. They even said unimpressive with a speech that was contemptible. But in person, Paul was considered gentle and timid. In our day, this kind of gentleness, even in women, is not thought of to be all that honorable. Because today women are encouraged to be strong and assertive, controlling. Be the master of your own fate. The kind of quality that we're seeing here in proven gentleness isn't necessarily commended by our culture today, is it? But again, the point isn't pleasing the culture. It's finding what pleases God himself. And Paul says, that's so pleasing to me. I want to be that kind of shepherd for the church. I want to be proven in my gentleness so that you see me like a nursing mother caring for her child. And then he goes on to speak of the tender care in verse 7. Along with that proven gentleness, a mother who will shepherd the hearts of her children provides the tender care as you would see in a mom that's nursing her babies. The picture here is of a woman who's providing the needed food for her child and she's doing so in a tender way. The word for tender is communicating warmth to her children as she cherishes her little ones, providing what is needed. I have a picture of that in my own wife who I remember seeing nursing the children. And if you've seen a nursing mom, she's often looking, admiring her child, sometimes stroking their hair or picking a piece of dust off their forehead. I can also picture my wife biting her lower lower lip as sometimes little junior would chomp down. But still that tenderness is there. There's something about that picture that Paul wants us to capture And a nursing mother that is likened to a spiritual leader in the church, his tenderness in caring for other believers. A mother is to be that kind of person in the life of her children. The nursing mother continues, even after the nursing days, to be that presence of tenderness and care, providing a different kind of meal later on, doing laundry, washing and folding their clothes, bathing her children, mending their wounds comforting them when they're in tears or they're afraid. 
This disposition of gentleness and tenderness are what gives a mom a close and intimate audience with her children that sometimes the father even won't have. On the back of your note sheet, even there's a comment by Spurgeon to that effect. Fathers have their role. And he said they have the ability to get the word of God maybe into the mind, but because of that gentle spirit, that tender care that is in a mom, they can bring that word from the head down into the very heart. It ministers to the spirit of the child. And perhaps women are a bit more gifted in that. But, Paul says, the men should be desiring this quality as well. We should learn from our women how we minister spiritually to our children, how we minister spiritually to our flock in the church. Because of her God-honoring spirit, she will be ideally suited to shepherd her children in the ways of the Lord. Her words of truth will be trusted by her children because she's lived before them with this tenderness of care for her children. Proverbs 31 reminds us that this kind of living disposition comes from a woman's fear of the Lord, a passion within the heart of a woman to honor and to please Christ, even over pleasing those who may or may not admire her. In verse 30 of Proverbs 31, it says, Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she will be praised. And moving to verse 8, we see a satisfying sacrifice that Paul identifies in a nursing mother. Paul continues this picture of a woman that is feeding her child by exhorting the church in the importance of this same kind of leadership. It's what the believers in Thessalonica witnessed in Paul and Timothy and Silvanus. And these church leaders were well pleased to give them themselves to minister the word to the church people there. This describes the satisfaction in making necessary sacrifices for the believers in Thessalonica in ministering to them the kind of pleasure that a mother has in ministering to her children. This is first an affectionate ministry. Paul writes that they had such a fond affection for these believers that they took great pleasure in ministering the word of God to them. And this fond affection is one word in the Greek language and it carries the meaning of longing for someone with great passion and earnestness. This is the fondness of affection that a mother will have for her children and will find the Christian woman eager to give of herself to minister the gospel of God to the children. Now, I want you to observe that from verse 1 to 12, gospel of God is stated three times. It's an interesting way to speak of the gospel. We would think of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's the gospel of God, and I believe that it is to give us a picture of the whole story, the whole history of God's plan of redemption. Even before the foundations of the world were laid, God were choosing out those who he was saved. He was planning out the redemption of his son. He had predetermined what his son would do when he came to this earth. It speaks of not only our justification when we're called to faith in Christ by the Spirit of God, but as well as our sanctification, our growth in Christ, and one day our glorification when we will be in his presence. It really is looking at the whole biblical history of the gospel. This is the gospel of God. And so the instruction, the spiritual ministry in view here is taking the whole counsel of the word of God and it's bringing it into the lives of the people that we're ministering to. And in this case a mother that is caring for her children because she has a deep affection in ministering the word of God, the whole counsel of scripture. 
And notice this ministry is with joy. They're well pleased to impart this ministry to the people in Thessalonica. That, Paul says, is what a mother instinctively does. She finds pleasure in that, pleasure of imparting her gospel to her family. And I say her gospel because she's not giving away her gospel. She's holding on to it. And that's what the word impart means. She's giving part to her children. She's holding on to this gospel, sharing it with her children that they might take hold of it as well. It's that which she treasures as her own. And she's now imparting it to her children. And if she truly treasures this gospel, she'll have a deep satisfaction in what she's doing and ministering to her family. That's the idea of this being well pleased to impart. I can recall coming home after working at the, on the construction site, and construction can be kind of physically demanding. And as I got a little bit older, <laughs> I would have to take a quick nap to kind of recharge my batteries to keep going. And the time would come for our family devotions. And I know outwardly I tried to keep a, a stiff upper lip about it, a positive spirit, but inward, like, we, inwardly I'm kind of sighing. Because I'd rather just lay on the couch and take a nap. But I remember Debbie is the one that was cheerfully looking forward to that time with her children. Well, it's time to do devotions. And while I wasn't grumpy on the outside, I wanted to lead those devotions. It was mom that was the spark plug and the cheerleader there. Because I think it's ten, it tends to be within a woman to desire those moments when she can minister to her children the word of God. And yes, it's good to have a husband that will lead those things. But the wife is very much a participant in this. And I have to remind myself, or I had to remind myself then, that she too had been laboring all day long and probably without a break. We both saw the importance of bringing the word into the hearts of our children. But again, it's a mother's affection that will be eager, well-pleased to impart the word to them, eager to make her family ready for Sunday worship even. This is what Paul said I was to the church. He said, this is how I came to you. I found great joy and pleasure, even with all the hard work involved and the sacrifices that need to be made. And he mentions that at the beginning of this chapter. There was a lot of persecution in Thessalonica, a lot of hardships, a lot of suffering. And yet he says, I was well pleased. This is what a mother does in ministering to her children amidst all of the difficulties and sometimes the difficulties of children cooperating. Because we know our children aren't perfect either. It's out of a mother's great passion for the spiritual needs of her children that she wants to feed them the treasure of God's word. Even she has fed them the necessary milk that they need. Moms are nourishers. They're nourishers. And second, in addition to the affectionate ministry we see in verse 8... There's a living testimony that's being presented here. Paul continues the analogy of their nursing mother by saying that they not only ministered the gospel of God to believers there. They not only ministered the word verbally, but they imparted their own lives on behalf of the church as well because that church had become very dear to them. This is descriptive of giving oneself up for others or sacrificially living the gospel before these believers who are also being taught the gospel in the teaching and preaching ministry of these missionary men. To be an effective church leader, 
will require the kind of sacrifice that you see in a woman who is a living testimony of her faith before her children. She's just not verbally speaking Christ. She's living Christ before them. So it can't merely be words that we're communicating to our children. The gospel has to be demonstrated before their eyes. They must see moms and dads living what they profess in Christ. So are we showing our children Christ? Are we living Christ before their eyes? This is what Paul is saying in verse 8. We were not only giving you the gospel, we were giving our lives to you as well, investing themselves into these people. And this will require great sacrifice as you selflessly live for the well-being of others who are under your care. I, to this day, am still amazed at how eager Debbie is to change a diaper, even with her grandchildren. And sometimes when our kids come over, it's expected that the husbands change the diapers for a change. And they will sometimes look at Debbie because they know Debbie's going to be eager to change that diaper. (laughs) I'm not embellishing a bit, but some of those diaper events are events. (laughs) And they will fill the whole house upstairs with this fragrance. And you cannot throw them in the garbage can. They have to be taken outside. It's that much of an event. And on occasion, the dog will get a hold of it. And it's amazing. Never mind. Never mind. (laughs) It's not worth repeating. I was not reluctant to changing those diapers, but I have to admit not feeling overjoyed or well-pleased to do it. It takes a special heart that sometimes women are characteristic of that us men lack. And yet Paul is saying, this is the kind of guy he was. He was willing to be well-pleased in handling those kind of events to minister the word of God to their children. This is the testimony of godly woman that is ministering the scriptures, the treasure of the gospel to her children. And it comes at great sacrifice at times. In Proverbs 31, it says of this kind of a mom, she opens her mouth in wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her. I would imagine there are many of you women that wishes you could, for a moment, eat the bread of idleness, just for a quick rest. But nonetheless, you keep pushing forward because of the treasure that you have in your children. And you desire to see them know the gospel, know the word of God. You show them a living witness of the gospel that you love. And this is what a woman does out of the fond affection that she has for her children. And this brings us to verse 9. What I consider a laborious instruction. It continues this picture of a tender care of a nursing mom as Paul expresses his and his traveling companions, his missionary friends, the devotion they had in bringing godly instruction into the church in Thessalonica. And he reminds the believers there that he and his missionary companions worked hard and long hours, night and day, to bring them the word of the gospel. They put in the hard work so as not to be a burden to any of those believers. So a couple of features here we see, not only in Paul and his companions, but that picture is drawn from this nursing mother. First is the hard work involved. 
the description of the hard work of ministry not only describes the time and effort that Paul and his men put into the teaching ministry, but it also describes how they worked to support themselves so that they could carry on that teaching ministry. In other words, they were doing physical work to provide for physical bread to eat, to sustain themselves, and that physical activity. The physical work that they were doing was meant to support the spiritual ministry that they were investing into these Thessalonian believers. We know from Paul's letters that he was a tent maker by trade, and he would use that skill to earn money to support his own needs, to buy his own food, so that he wouldn't put a burden on the church. The church in Thessalonica was a very impoverished area, a very impoverished church. And we learn from that from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Even in that impoverished state, they gave of themselves generously to provide for the church in, in Jerusalem. But nonetheless, this is a church or a community that was on hard times. Paul and his companions came in, three people coming in as missionaries. Who's going to take care of them? Who's going to house them? Who's going to feed them? Paul says, no. We'll take care of ourselves so that we don't put an extra burden on you and all why. It's not about food. It's not about making money or making tents. It's all about the gospel ministry. They're doing all of this, making these sacrifices, doing this hard work so that they can communicate the word of God to these believers and those that were yet to believe. Verse 13 and 14. It says in Proverbs 31 of the woman that is to be admired. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She's like a merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is still night, gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. This gives to us a picture of an industrious and hardworking mom who's not afraid of long hours and who actually delights in the work of her hands. And as it says in verse 8, First Thessalonians 2, she's well pleased to minister to the needs of her family through the work of her hands. Hard work is not only a means to spiritually equip her children, but it is also a testimony to her children of her Christian love for them. A love and a care that not only supplies the physical necessities of life, but also shepherds the hearts of her children to know and to love Jesus Christ. See, even the physical labors, the physical caring of children is meant to be a testimony of Christ's love. And we see that as as Paul moves on and speaks about a, a, a preaching of the gospel and teaching ministry where they did not put a burden on the church itself, a burdenless proclamation. Paul goes on to say that he didn't want to add to their burden that his presence could have put on those believers He wanted to preach the word to these Christians without strings attached. Paul reminds the Thessalonians that even though he had a right to be supported by them, he worked for his own bread. He paid for his own food, his own lodging. He wanted these believers to see what he was doing here and to follow his example. Each man had to work to provide for his own household. That's what he wants the Thessalonians to do. Don't be a burden to each other. You've seen this example in us. If you go over to 2 Thessalonians just for a moment, Paul goes into a little bit more detail in chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians. Verse 7, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. 
because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you, not because we did not have the right to do so, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. You know that these believers were struggling. They have no money, very few resources. So they roll into town, Paul, Timothy, Savannah, and they went to work. And sometimes he was pulling the night shift just to earn the money to buy his own food, to buy their own lodging so that they could minister the word of God to these people. Like Paul, a woman's work is done without any expectation of compensation. The years of work that a a mother will invest in her family will never, ever be paid back in full. And this is even true for when our parents get older and we have to care for them. We may have to care for our parents for a few years. But remember, those parents cared for us for the first 18 years of our life and probably invested in other things like college or getting you started off in life as independent living adults. A godly mother was an example that Paul used here of selfless laboring for her children. She does not work hard and long expecting to be repaid. Her hard work includes the passion of her heart to minister the gospel to her children. And for the Christian parent, the reward is knowing that when they faithfully proclaim the gospel, God's word will not fail to accomplish everything God has designed it to do. I'm thinking of Isaiah 55 and verse 11 here. God says, so will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without it succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. In a parent's ministry of the word of God to their children, it is always the hope of moms and dads that their children will take hold of the gospel and will continue to walk in faith before Christ, even when they leave the home. Yet as faithful as we can be with this ministry, The heart of our children has to be the work of the Spirit of God. We proclaim the message of gospel hope, but it's God that has to open up that heart to receive it. And our children may choose to go another direction. And we may think, well, have we labored the ministry in vain? Well, according to the Word of God, no. Because according to that passage in Isaiah 55, God's Word is going to leave His lips And it's going to accomplish everything he purposed. And we may not see that purpose fulfilled. We may not even see it fulfilled in a specific child's life who walks away from Christ. But we have to trust that God knows best what to do with our labors in the preaching of his word. And I think a key point for us to examine here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 9 teaches us that when it comes to spiritually shepherding children, we labor hard and long to provide food and housing and clothes and all the essentials of life for the central purpose of proclaiming the message of truth to those whom God has put under our care. That's the main point. Why do we go to work, men, and earn a living? Or moms, why do we go to work to pay the bills? Why do you slave over the stove or change the diapers or do the laundry? It's all for this one central purpose, to communicate the gospel to our children. Even these external 
physical, temporal things are done with this main view, this main focus, this ultimate purpose, communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. What this passage shows us is that there's a greater ultimate purpose even before church leaders as well as parental leaders in the home. Paul was saying, we're working for a living, doing our own food, doing our own clothes, our own lodging. Why? So that we have the privilege of coming and sharing the word of God. Again, Paul says this is like the nurturing mother. We take that picture of a a nursing mom caring for her children. She's doing the same thing doing all of these labors, laundry, food, getting kids ready for life, all to communicate the word of God. We provide the physical necessities to support the greater spiritual ministry that we have, both in the home and in the church. It's very easy for us to become distracted with financial successes, security. We can become enticed with all the toys and the pleasures that come from making a good living. We can sink a great deal of work and effort into building a secure retirement so that when the kids are gone and it's just us alone, we can travel the world. We can live in comfort in the later years. But what the industrious leader in Scripture shows us is that our chief obligation is the proclamation of the gospel, the ministry of the word, which cares for the spiritual needs of those who are under our care. And what applies here to church leaders, remember, has been drawn from the example of a mother in the home who who works long and hard, not simply to make a meal so her children stay physically healthy. She's doing all of these things. She ought to be doing all all these things for the ministry of the word, the spiritual care of her children. Whether in the home or in the church, all our labors and efforts should have that gospel priority to it, knowing that this is a calling that has been given to believers in this world. Christian parents then have the obligation to provide and to care for their children in the temporal things of life, but they have this greater calling to shepherd them in the spiritual and the eternal things. Even the physical care of our children should be done with a gospel motive. Now, from this passage, I'd like to draw some necessary summary points that I hope will be an encouragement to moms, but dads as well, because these are spiritual disciplines of shepherding that are in focus here this morning. And in all of these summary points, we are to keep in mind the objective as Christian parents. It's no different than Paul's objective. These are not meant to please men. We are here to please God. How we serve our children as mothers and fathers should be to the glory and the pleasure of the Lord. And so first, I want to just commend to you, a parent's example is as important as their instruction. A parent's example is as important as their instruction. How you live is as important as how you teach. Therefore, moms can teach all the rules all the structure, the order, the discipline that they think will produce godly, well-governed children. But ladies, if you're critical, you're judgmental, you're domineering or demanding or harsh or a host of other hardened temperaments, your children will most likely become hardened as well in some avenue. Scripture does not emphasize the importance of gentleness a quiet spirit, or tender care in a godly mother for no reason. 
These are inward dispositions that are precious to God and mothers and are used even to teach church leaders things that we're supposed to imitate in caring for the body of Christ. This disposition of your own heart is one of the principal disciplines that your children need to see in you. It's more than just verbally correcting them or setting them on a course. Show them your gentleness, a pattern, a proven pattern of gentleness and kindness and self-control. I believe in discipline and structure within home as much as the next person. But without a parent's example of inward holiness, even the rules and order that we demand of our children is likely going to produce foul results. Children who grow up under that kind of shepherding may lead nicely structured lives, but with hearts that are cold and indifferent and not all that concerned about tenderly caring for the spiritual needs of others. So moms, give careful attention to your own heart. Second, a parent's love promotes gospel teaching and gospel living. Gospel teaching and gospel living. In other words, we need to walk in the ways of Christ ourselves if we're going to teach the ways of Christ to our children. It is so important for parents to teach their children the word of God and to speak often about the gospel of Christ, but it is also essential that we live gospel lives in their eyes. This not only means living in obedience to the word, but it also means showing them lives of sacrifice for them for the sake of the word. This was a main thrust in Paul's ministry to the churches that he served. Out of his fond affection for believers, he was more than pleased to impart the gospel of God and his own life in order to minister to them. And he included Timothy and Silvanus in that ministry of affection, that ministry of love as well. No doubt they were closely following Paul's example, Timothy and Silvanus, and were learning to give their lives to others while they're preaching Christ to these Thessalonian believers. Our children need more than just parents who will speak gospel truth to them. They need parents who will live the gospel life before their eyes. And it's only, it really is the only way that children will know that you actually believe the things that you're teaching them. If you're showing them a genuine gospel affection. If we are to impart our lives of love in this way, our children must see us living faithfully to Christ in service to their spiritual needs as we minister the word to their hearts. This is imparting our lives that are conformed to the gospel. Now just contrast that for just a moment to what's happening out in our streets right now in response to the Supreme Court. What's happening out there? There is a backlash of hostility because a woman's right might be removed. This is a picture of selfishness in our nation. It is this selfishness that is dominating. It's not a selflessness. A child that is in the womb can be an inconvenience. And I won't stand for anybody that takes that right away. Why is somebody saying that? It's because they're selfish. They're not thinking about the life that is within the womb anymore. It's all about me and where I go. This is not the picture that Paul paints here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Not of a godly woman that truly loves her children. There's a selflessness here of living the gospel before the eyes of your family. 
And third, a parent's hard physical labors focuses on spiritual objectives. This was the final point that we made in the study this morning. And it should be a central truth to all Christian parenting. And Paul has emphasized this truth through a godly mother's example. Parents often work both hard on the job site and in the home. But too often our eyes are fixed on physical and temporal objectives. We do not want to fully ignore the spiritual objectives. But are those spiritual objectives our priorities? Even Christian parents can work hard to buy a nice home for your family, drive the nice car, have a secure financial future. We can make sure kids are are successful academically or musically or sometimes athletically. We may even focus on raising children who will be culturally responsible or very well-disciplined and well-ordered. These things are not bad in and of themselves. But we must first and foremost see ourselves as spiritual shepherds laboring hard to care for and provide for our children with the gospel as our great and our ultimate objective. It's why we do what we do. It's why we go to work. It's why we do the laundry. Why we make meals. Why we put clothes on our children. Why do we do all of this? Paul says it should be with the spiritual objective. We show him Christ. We live Christ before him. And we preach the word of God, the gospel of God. We cannot determine where the hearts of our children turn in the end. But we ought to work night and day to proclaim to them the gospel of God, giving our lives as gospel witness to them. And our mothers our mothers are a living example of this, spiritually shepherding their children because those children are very dear to women. So we look to mothers like that, even as men, to be our godly example. We do so even in the church. So we praise you mothers that are doing this well. And I know many women in this church that have served so well as a testimony and a witness of their care and love for their children and their love for Christ. May God give to all of us that disposition as we minister one to another. Father in heaven, I pray that these truths would become precious to us, even as men, men leading in the home or in our workplaces, maybe even ministering here in the church. Pray that you would bless our women as they minister and care for their children or grandchildren or perhaps just encourage those women that are doing so. It's our hope that we can be a church that supports this kind of gospel parenting, this shepherding of the hearts of those that are under our care, whether they're children or fellow believers here in this church community. Give us this disposition of tenderness and gentleness that we need that exemplifies the gospel of Christ. Give us a passion, Father, to work hard, not just for success in this life, but spiritual success in ministering the word. Give us a passion for that motive and that ultimate purpose in life. Keep our eyes fixed on Christ and ministering Christ to others. We pray this in his name and for his glory. Amen. With us again.